If you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. Back in the 90s, I planned a camping and hiking trip with a few of my friends in Idaho, close to the base of the mountains. One of them had to back out due to a family issue, and the other one said that they would have to come out a day later. We were planning on staying for three nights, four days, but I didn't want to lose any of that time. So, I decided I would still go out there on the day that we planned, and just have a day to myself. I figured I could also pick a good spot for us to set up, so we wouldn't have to spend any time deciding. I was semi-familiar with the area, as I'd hiked the trails before, but it branched off in many places, so there were some that I had never taken before. There was one trail specifically that few people took, because the path was mostly rock and gravel, which can make for an uncomfortable walk. I decided to give it a shot, thinking, the harder the quest, the better the reward, right? Sorry, stupid game reference. I was hoping that if I got past it, then there would be less people around, and maybe a nice sight for us all to experience. So, I made my way up the trail saw some cool-looking trees, and the further in I went, the fewer and fewer people I would pass. At one point, it kind of came to a dead end, with a bench and a small placard with information about the area. The path seemed to start again on one side that led back down to the entrance, but there was a very small path behind the little circle part that you could stop and rest on. There was no gravel or concrete path, but more so just looked like it had been walked so many times that the grass died or flattened. I was curious, and I wondered what was over there, and I decided to check it out as well. The deeper in I went, the taller the grass got, telling me this probably wasn't any kind of official trail But I was this far in, and still curious as to what I might find. I went so far in that, looking back, I couldn't see where I had come from anymore. If not for the vague path being created, I probably would have had to find my own way back, or leave some kind of trail for myself. Sure enough, the woods opened up to a small area that looked like it could make for a great place to set up our tents. There was a small grassy area surrounded by trees. You could still see the sun in the sky looking up, so we would still get a decent amount of light. And there was no one else around. But as I laid my bag down and went to sit on a tree stump, I noticed just that. There was a single tree that had been cut down. It was smooth and even, 
not like it had been fallen or been struck by lightning or something. And there was no sign of the tree to boot. Why would one tree, out of all of these trees around me, get cut down? That's when I started to pay more attention to the area. This forest area was not man-made. Maybe the trails were to some extent, but they didn't cut out random trees like this. Yet, there was almost a small clearing where there were no trees in sight. I walked towards the middle of a small opening patch, and as I stood there, I noticed that it fell off. The ground seemed softer than the rest of it. It was like the feeling when new sod is laid down or when it rains a lot, and your feet kind of sink into it. I walked around the same area just trying to get a feel of the place when I heard a bit of a creak from the ground. After a few more stomps, I was convinced that I was standing on something. So, as I kicked around the ground, I was able to get my foot under a patch of the grass. It hadn't been there long because it was pretty easy to pull up. After wiping away some more dirt, I found a handle. There was a door to what looked like some underground bunker. It called me stupid, but there was no one around, and this had to have been here a while and possibly untouched, so I had to check it out. There was some kind of chain on it, but it looked like it had corroded or rusted away because there was nothing locking it down. So, I opened it and shouted down to see if there was anyone in there. Thankfully, I didn't get a response, so I grabbed a flashlight from my bag and climbed down the ladder into the pitch dark. That place was creepy, and definitely gave sinister vibes. It was probably the size of a small bedroom. There was a single desk and a chair that had one of those small portable stoves on it. There were a couple of canned goods, as well as a notebook and a pen. The notebook definitely had been used, but there were also several pages torn out, so the remaining ones were left blank. Looking over to the right... There was a large white bucket and a small, cheap-looking mattress. There was nothing on the mattress, like a pillow or a blanket, either. It was looking like someone had been living there, but as I walked over to the mattress, I noticed something coming out of the wall. Like, it was bolted in. Tracing it with the light, I could see a chain with some kind of shackle attached to it almost like it was a cuff. As I got down to pick up the chain, I noticed some of the scratch marks on the floor and the dark stain on the mattress. I was convinced at that point that no one was living there, but maybe being kept there. It was creepy as it is, but this was really making me uncomfortable, so I left. I got out, covered it back up the best I could, and I left the area fearing someone may have seen me or that I would be suspect for whatever the hell happened down there. I went to a path that we were familiar with, and I had a normal time from there, but I did feel a little paranoid that someone was going to call me out. Thankfully, my friend came out a little earlier than expected the next day, and we sat and chilled for a bit. 
I ended up telling him about the bunker that I found, and of course he wanted to check it out too. So I took him back to it, but I stayed outside, watching out while he looked around. He agreed that the place was creepy, and we talked about what could have possibly happened down there. We talk about it on occasion together and with a few friends. We even tried going back there years later to find it. Some things came up in our lives and we weren't able to go back for quite some time. The gravel path was still there, but we actually never found the bunker again. It had to just be the time that had passed and us forgetting where it was. Because a bunker can't just disappear, right? I even tried looking it up on Google Maps thinking maybe I could find it from the satellite view, but I still cannot pinpoint it. I hope that I am able to find it again, and then maybe someday find out what exactly happened down there. When I used to work at a small convenience store and gas station... We would get a lot of weirdos that would come in, and even though some of the customers were less than desirable, we also had some fairly normal interactions. It really felt like we dealt more with the weird people than the normal ones, but after a while, you just get used to it. And the weird becomes the norm. Anyone that has worked retail will 100% understand what I just said. Anyways, because we were in an area that was mostly surrounded by homes and a lot of neighborhoods, we had a corkboard at the entrance of the store where people could post what was, essentially, their ads. For the most part, people would pin up their business cards for things like lawn mowing and legal services, but we would also occasionally get flyers for nearby concerts, or people wanting to fix others' computers. Things like that. It was basically our own little contained corkboard next door or Craigslist. The only requirement that we had with the board was that they had to have the manager's approval before they posted anything. So, when they came in to post something we had to put it in the back office for the manager to hang up. It was, more than anything, a quality control process, so that we didn't get dumb things that had zero benefits to the community posted on the regular. This story is actually about one of the things that someone wanted posted to the board. I was working a shift, and this older guy in a nice dress shirt came into the store. Nothing weird there. We would get a lot of people that came in just after work to get a drink or something. However, this guy came up to the counter with the flyer and asked me if he was allowed to hang it on the board. I mentioned to him that I'd have to run it by the manager and that he came in first thing in the morning, but I could take the flyer and put it on his desk so he could approve it right away. He agreed, and he handed me the flyer. It was basically a missing persons poster. There was a picture of a guy in the center, and he was well-dressed, and this image almost looked like a headshot for a business. The information was a bit strange. It had his height, 
weight, blood type, and a number of other things, but there was no name for the man. There was a small blurb that mentioned, If you see this man, call this number, with what I'm assuming was the man's phone number, and then there was mentions of a substantial monetary reward if he was found. Because I'm nosy, I asked if he was a missing person. The man laughed slightly and said, well, kind of. I asked how someone could kind of be missing, and he responded with, we know that he's around somewhere, but we don't know where. He walked out on a job and we need to find him so we can go over his exit interview. I thought that was a weird thing to say, but I just kind of accepted it and told him I would give it to my manager to post. The guy thanked me and left, and that was the end of that. Until a few days later. The manager posted the flyer as requested. It was posted front and center on the board since it seemed... important. Then, about three days after it was posted, a guy came into the store to buy some beer, and I know that I awkwardly stared at him for a few moments, because I was trying to place him. But then... I realized that he was the guy on the poster. He noticed that I was staring because he was giving me this weird look like he was uncomfortable. I mentioned to him that someone was looking for him, and I motioned towards the board. As soon as I said someone was looking for him, he went pale as a ghost. He walked over to the flyer and pulled it off, and then came back up to me and asked me if I knew who had posted it. I described the guy. Older man, military haircut. It was gray. He was nicely dressed, had large-rimmed glasses. Basically everything that I could remember. I then mentioned that he had told me that he needed to do an exit interview, whatever that meant. As soon as I said that, he started yelling expletives about how screwed he was. He then looked at me and said, Look, um, I wasn't here. Please do not tell anyone that I was ever here. And he then ran out of the store, jumped in his car, and sped away without his beer. I was so confused. I had no idea what the hell all of that was. But this guy obviously did not want to be found by the first guy. What's weird? I had never heard another thing about this. Neither man came into the store after this. I never saw anything about it on the news or anything. And I never saw his face in any other missing persons listing. I personally do see a few possibilities about this situation. This could have been a prank. Both men could have been in on it, but something about the other guy's face makes me think it was serious. Either that or he was a top-tier actor. When he went pale, he seriously looked like his heart had stopped for a moment, or like he was about to puke. Alternatively, if this was a real situation, the men that were looking for him were not good men, and... He had pissed them off somehow, and being found potentially would not have been a good thing for him. Either way, 
I kind of hope that he was able to get away and he made it out okay. Because I feel like if whoever wanted to do that um, exit interview caught him, he's probably not around anymore. Hi, Raven. I wanted to share my story with you because I appreciate the light that you shine on some of the darker moments in people's lives. In a positive way. This happened to me and my friends when we were in our early 20s. My grandparents owned land with a lot of acreage. I'm not good with that kind of stuff, but I remember that if you weren't paying attention, you could easily miss the driveway because from the road, all you could see was the start of a gravel path. The driveway was pretty long, so you couldn't really see what was on the property through the trees. But they had built a gorgeous cabin on it that they used as their summer or vacation home. I'd been there on many occasions as a kid to stay with my grandparents and family. My grandparents didn't go as often when us kids started getting older, so... I took it as a great opportunity to go camping there with some friends. Knowing that it would be free, able to fit multiple people, and that it was a safe area. My grandparents also agreed to let me have free reign, as long as I did a few household chores that needed to be done. Such as checking one of the pipes and changing out the linens that were out. My grandma was big about that. To avoid bed bugs or other things eating stuff, she kept most of her spare sheets, blankets, and towels in a sealed bag to prevent things like that, but some things she couldn't put into bags. So, after I went and checked it out to make sure everything worked as it should, my friends and I made our plans. The five of us were going to meet up at my place, and we would drive out to the cabin together, and that was about four hours away. One of my friends, Sophie, had already been there before with me as a kid, so she was at least familiar with the cabin. My other three friends, April, Mira, and Lindsay, had never been, though. We got there, and we all started calling dibs on where we were going to sleep. There were two bedrooms... The couch in the living room was a hideaway bed, and there was a pull-out cot that they kept in the closet. I took one room, Lindsay and Mira shared a room, and April and Sophie took the couch. Guess no one wanted the cot. Anyways, we all got settled in and decided to go hang out at the lake. The first night went fine, and everyone had a great time. The next day, we went hiking in the woods behind the cabin took a lot of pictures and gossiped. That night, we grilled and had a bonfire going. We had all been drinking and teasing each other, and one of us dared Mira to go skinny dipping. It was probably a mistake because Mira wasn't afraid of much, and she went for it. I suppose with all the peer pressure and alcohol, it didn't take long to convince the rest of us to jump in too. The next day, We realized we underestimated the amount of food and beverages we would go through, and also thought about a few things we wanted, so we decided to make a trip to the closest grocery store 
which was about a 20-minute drive from the cabin. Lindsay wanted to stay at the cabin and sit out in the sun, and April agreed to stay with her so that she could shower before the rest of us, so it was just Sophie, Mira, and myself going to the store. We were probably gone for an hour and a half, two max, and when we got back, Lindsay was still out by the dock. When we went inside, though, it started looking like someone was looking for something. April and Sophie's suitcases were open and looked like they had been shuffled through. I thought maybe the other girls were pulling a prank or possibly looking for something, so after putting everything in the kitchen, I went to find April, who was still in the bathroom, or in there again, and I asked her about it. She didn't have any clue what I was talking about, and even came out to look. She looked... confused. She was always well-organized, and everything was folded neatly in her case, yet all of her stuff was just as much scattered as Sophie's. One of them went to ask Lindsay about it, and I walked around the rest of the place, and I noticed a few things looked off. I always made my bed, and it looked like the blanket had been moved. I went back to the kitchen to put the stuff away, when Lindsay had come back in with the others and they were all talking about the situation. That's when it was pointed out that some of our food was missing too. There was a bag of pretzels gone, and some popcorn that was half empty, and a few other things that had been used up. It was a strange situation, and at first, we were thinking that it may have been someone breaking in then it felt hard to believe with where we were. The cabin was in the middle of nowhere. The closest house was miles away, and again, you can't even see the place from the driveway entrance. So, we thought maybe it was an animal? Since there was food missing and only the cases in the living room were messed with, maybe the animal hurt April in the shower, got spooked and took off? I thought maybe I was just remembering the bed wrong, and we all tried to reason with it, I think. Since we didn't see anyone or any evidence of a stranger, we all decided it was okay to stay and continued enjoying our time. We just made sure to shut the doors and windows and put away any food and drinks. So, the rest of the day was great. We all even seemed to forget about the earlier situation, and had fun. We made kebabs for dinner, and then made another fire to sit around and drink. By this time, it was already dark, and the only light that you could see was from the fire, and the porch light that kicked on with motion. We were starting to quiet down, as it was probably close to midnight and I think we were all getting tired when Mira mentioned going to get something from inside, and as soon as she stood up, we heard a thud, like something large had fallen, and then it was followed up by that oomph sound that someone makes when they fall. We all immediately stood up and were on guard. April started freaking out immediately while Lindsay tried calming her down, Again, I was trying to be reasonable since I brought my friends here and I shouted, Who's there? But I didn't get an answer. We were on the side of the cabin facing the lake and Mira suggested that we walk around to the front 
she suggested that we do so on the widest path that we could. That way, maybe the reflection coming off the water from the moon might give us a little more light. We left anything that we had out there, and immediately started swiftly walking around. I did have an old wind-up lantern that was kept under the sink, so I turned it on, and we all walked around. As we got to the porch, Lindsay and April went inside, and the other three of us started looking around the cabin. That's when I noticed the bush that was leaning against the side of the cabin was moving. The bushes weren't very dense on that side, I assume because they had already bloomed, or maybe they didn't just get a lot of sun, or maybe too much. But because of this, we could very clearly see the figure of something large curled up in it, and looking at us. It took everything in me to not go running inside with the other girls, so instead I mustered out a, what the hell? The scary situation seemed to break a little when we heard what sounded like a really bad impression of an owl. With Mira going off behind me, Sophie finally spoke up. She said with the most threatening voice that she could muster, We're going back inside, and if you're not off this property in two minutes, I'll be back out with my shotgun. And no, she didn't have a shotgun, or any gun for that matter. But before we even closed the door, we saw someone take off the side and run towards the driveway. I didn't know what they could do, but I did call the cops, and they said they would send someone out to take a look. Not that it mattered much, because half an hour later, I got a call from the cop that was coming out asking for directions. He'd actually driven by twice. When he did show up, we gave him any information that we had... He walked with us to the fire so we could put it out and grab the blankets that were out there. He said that he never saw anyone on or near the road or driveway, but he said that he would drive around a few more times. We all crammed ourselves in the room that I was sleeping in, since the door locked, and slept in there that night. We ended up leaving the next day, which was only a day earlier than we expected, because that kind of killed the mood for a few of them. And I don't blame them, but we did find a small lake and then chilled out there that following night, and then we went home. They never did find anyone from that night, and Lindsay and April refused to go back there. Surprisingly, Sophie and Mira were, but those two are the crazy friends, if you will. (laughs) I did tell my grandparents about it, and they were surprised, saying they had never had something like that happen. Grandpa still thinks it was probably just an animal, but the person ran away on two legs, so I'm pretty certain it was human. I helped them pick out and set up some security cameras, and made sure all the doors and windows had locks. It at least made me feel a bit safer whenever we went to visit. I work at a small convenience store in a fairly small town in Kansas, and have been on the overnight shift for what feels like forever. It's typically pretty busy, and most of you in the Midwest would know the place if I told you the name. 
Just know it's the one that sells the mediocre pizza that hits differently in the middle of the night. Anyways, I've worked at this particular location for several years, and because I'm the only employee that doesn't have any children, I've had to pretty much work every single holiday we've been open, including Christmas, Independence Day, and of course Halloween. Honestly, I don't mind it. We typically aren't too busy on these days, but Halloween can be a bit of a hassle because people like to walk in the store in full costume. This may not sound like a big deal, but people walking into a convenience store, a type of store that's well known for being robbed, with their face covered by a latex Freddy Krueger mask is definitely not ideal. Because of this, when people would enter wearing a mask, I would politely ask them to take them off while they were in the store. Most people were okay with the request, though there were the odd few that just ignored me and went on with getting their items. Annoying, sure, but there wasn't anything I could really do about it. The whole situation actually took place on Halloween, obviously. It was a fairly standard night with a good number of people coming in, mostly out of costume until around 8, when all the costumed people started coming in. Then, business overall just kind of tapered off around 9.30, and there were only a few people coming in to buy soda, energy drinks, and various mixers for their parties. As the night went on, most people that came into the store in costume were cool with it when I asked them to remove their masks. A few of them just walked past me and ignored my request, but again, nothing I could do to enforce the rules, so... I just let it go and kept my eyes on them as best as I could. Then, sometime around ten, a group of people walked in, all in costume. There were a few college-aged girls, and a couple guys with them all talking rather loudly as they came in the door. They were all in costume, but only one of them had a mask that covered their face. It was a Jason Voorhees-style hockey mask with a cloth on the back that covered the person's hair, and they were wearing the mechanic's jumpsuit. Of course, it was all covered in fake blood and painted to look dirty, and it did look good, but I was a bit nervous with the guy covering his face like that. As he walked by, I mentioned that I did like his costume, but I asked that he please remove his mask. Not to my surprise, He ignored me and walked back to the cooler section of the store. I shrugged it off, and I figured that since he was with a group of at least four other people, he wasn't likely to do anything stupid. I waited up at the register for them to finish up their browsing, and after about five minutes or so, the group of people came up to the register and bought an ungodly amount of Red Bull. I rang them up, they paid and left. Thankfully, it was a quick and painless transaction. It wasn't until they had gotten outside that I realized the group that had checked out were only the ones without their masks. Mr. Voorhees did not leave with them. This didn't quite rub me the right way, mostly because I had been banking on him being with the group of people as a justification 
for being okay with him covering his face in the first place. My first thought, and again, I was trying to rationalize it and make it okay in my head, was that he had just gone back to the restroom and was probably going to exit the store within a few minutes. Well, that few minutes passed and still no Voorhees. There was a certain level of nervousness about the situation. I wasn't keen on being stuck behind the register with this guy doing god knows what in the small section behind me, mostly because I couldn't see anything in the section where he went which was a really bad design flaw to these stores. Sure, there were cameras, but having a blind spot in a store like this was a really bad idea. I decided that my best course of action was to go ahead and make sure this guy wasn't loading a bunch of soda into his pockets or something. Thankfully, I was out of water, so I had an excuse to walk away from the counter for a moment. So... I stepped down from the raised area and took my cup back to the fountain to fill it. I slowly went around the corner towards the fountain and glanced over to the coolers. There was no one there. I walked over to the other side, and once again, nobody. I was confused, but I just accepted that it was possible that he had walked out at the side door, and I just didn't notice it at some point in time. I shrugged it off and I went to fill my cup, and then I started my way back toward the register, which is the last thing I remember doing before waking up to a paramedic asking me if I could hear him. I was incredibly confused as to why I was staring at the ceiling of the store, why this guy was asking me if I knew what year it was, and why the hell the back of my head was in so much pain. As it was explained to me, and then also later shown to me on the security footage, walking over to the fountain was a terrible idea. Apparently Mr. Voorhees had remained in the store and was looking for me to do something to leave me vulnerable. In the footage, this guy seriously crept around the corner when I was filling my cup, and when I turned away to go back to my register, he smacked me in the back of the head with some kind of club. This guy had a clean shot of me, and he took it, completely knocking me unconscious. What's worse, watching the footage, this guy did this for seemingly no reason. After I was knocked unconscious, he just stood over me and stared at me without moving for several moments, and then walked away. He didn't take a single thing from the store, he just attacked me and walked off. Even crazier... He was the one that actually called 911 from the payphone outside. From what I was told, he called them and told them that the person in the store was unconscious on the ground, and then hung up. From there, the paramedics arrived and, sure enough, found me on the floor. To the best of my knowledge, the guy was never found or arrested, and nobody has any idea why this happened. The thought of what he could have done scares the hell out of me, but I guess I'm glad that he was just looking to knock someone out for fun and not rob, or worse, murder somebody. This was also the last shift that I closed alone, and we now have three people that work the overnight shift on Halloween.
when I was a teenager, I liked to bike places around our area, and while my parents always told me to be careful, they never really set a boundary on where I could or couldn't go. This typically meant that, during the summers, when I was home with my friend Josh, we would ride around and go places further from home than we probably should have gone. There were a handful of places that we would just go to ride, but one of the places that we would ride to frequently was a local gas station. We would typically bike that way and buy candy, soda, Gatorade, just random things like that. Literally anything we could afford with our allowances. This gas station was more or less right in the middle of everything in our town. It was about a block away from a highway exit, but it was also across the street from a tow yard and less than a mile from residential areas. It was also on the edge of the town that most people would avoid, because it was filled with rentals that were basically drug houses. Even being 14, I was told about what they were, My parents decided that I needed to know about it all so it was imprinted in my brain that I should avoid them. And I did. We never went that way. We stopped at the gas station and never went further in that direction. Unfortunately, that didn't always mean that we were able to avoid the people. There was one day that I remember very vividly because it was one of the creepiest things that had happened to me up to that point in my life. Josh and I decided that we wanted to head up to the station, so we got on our bikes and made the trek at around 9 in the morning. We rode up to the station and started to walk over to the side of the building to park our bikes, as we always did. But as we started walking to the side, I told Josh to hold up, because I heard something. We both just stood there and listened, and sure enough there was someone out back of the station that was singing. This alone is a bit weird, but not creepy. But it wasn't just the singing. The voice was feminine, but also really hoarse, like she needed to drink water really badly. She was singing a few lines from what I would guess was an old jazz song, but then after she would finish, like, two of the lines, she would just start talking and what she was saying really wouldn't make any sense. I remember exactly what she said that scared me. I don't want to be in my skin anymore. It's too tight. Then, she started singing out the same two lines from earlier. She would sing the two lines, say something weird, and then start singing again. That was enough to make me think that we should go ahead and just park in the front of the store and make our trip quick. In reality, we probably should have left, but we were 14 and I wasn't willing to abandon our mission. We went into the station and I immediately told the guy that was working there that there was some creepy lady singing out back. He didn't seem to care. My guess was that he saw us and thought that we were just two brats that were saying something stupid or making a joke about something. I shrugged and went to get my soda and candy, and then we got to the registered and paid, basically making the transaction as quick as we possibly could. We finished up, 
and stepped out of the store, and I noticed that Josh's bike wasn't where mine was. Then I looked over to the side and saw the lady that was singing. She was, to put it nicely, a mess. Her hair was a mess, and it looked like she had shaved small spots out of it, but not all of it. And she was wearing a tank top and a pair of underwear, and that was it. Her legs looked like they were cut up and dirty, and she was sitting on the ground with Josh's bike upside down on its handles. She had her hands on the pedals and was basically rotating them with her hands and still singing that same song from earlier. We went over to her and I mentioned that that was Josh's bike and that she needed to give it back. She looked at me and kept singing the lines, and then when she finished, she smiled and said, It's my bike now. Now, obviously this woman was not all there, and she needed some serious mental help. And, in hindsight, I should have been nicer to her. Or, we should have had the man in the station call the cops, or possibly an ambulance for her. But I was 14 years old, and I admit that I was an asshole. I will absolutely admit that. I grabbed the wheel of the bike to stop her from being able to move the pedals, and I pulled on the bike as hard as I could while yelling that it was our bike and not hers. She jumped up, but then stared at me and then said, Then take it! I pulled it and flipped it over, back to hand it to Josh, and she once again said, Then take it! Then she stood up and started screaming at us. She started yelling, Then take it! Take it before I decide to eat your skin off! Take it before I kill you! and she was yelling this over and over while standing up and walking toward us as we started to walk away. As we got on our bikes and started to pedal, she began running after us, and I feel like she was running at crazy speeds considering we were on bikes. The whole time she was screaming at us to leave before she killed us, and then she stopped and ended her whole episode with, I will effing find you, Josh. I will find you, and I'm going to take your skin. And then she let out a blood-chilling screech. Needless to say, we got home in record time, and we decided that we needed to not go back to that station anymore, and, well, we never did. That was literally the last time that we ever went there. I have no idea what happened to that lady or what she was on or what was wrong with her, but considering the location, I have to assume that she was probably on something. She also probably had other issues than just that. Like I mentioned before, I was a jerky teenager, and I hope that I can be forgiven for being the person I was. But at the time, I really had no understanding of these things, and this just scared the hell out of me. I do hope that she got help, sure, but I also hate that she ruined the thing that we had going for us. In the end, we got away, and it could have gone much worse, but it definitely still scared the both of us. So, 
This happened when I was about nine. My family went on a camping trip, which included my mom, dad, and my two siblings, Ross and Katie. I don't remember the exact place we went, but it was somewhere in West Virginia. We'd been there before, and while I didn't have the place memorized or anything, I did like the area. The campgrounds always had a lot of other kids around, and this one actually had a playground in it. We usually camped close enough to it that they would let me walk to it to play when I didn't want to fish or while I was waiting for dinner. However, this year, we weren't able to get a spot by the playground. I was upset, but I thought that they would just walk me over there to play some. I was looking forward to the playground this year, because my brother and sister were older and they didn't want to be around me as much. I had already experienced this on occasion at home. As I was sure I was pouting in the car, my mom promised me that we would still get to visit. We had stayed at least one night so far, because my dad always wanted to take all of us fishing, and we had spent most of the day doing that. Then, the next day, we all went on some trail together, and then we had one full day left as we were going to leave the next morning. I was starting to believe I was lied to, and I wasn't going to be able to go to the playground, so, as kids do, I started whining and complaining. My mom finally gave in and told my siblings to walk there with me so we could play around a bit before we left that day. We drove past it when getting to our spot, so I knew it was down the trail, and it went around a curve. Then there was a small fork that led to the playground and a community grill area, as well as some picnic tables. We started walking down that way when we heard a vehicle coming up behind us which was fairly normal because it was a road, but then we heard it getting closer, so we got over to the side. But this truck was going way too fast. When it sped by us, it was so loud and it nearly knocked me over. I remember my brother yelling out to it, but they didn't stop or slow down or anything. We just continued to make our way to the playground. When we got there... I started going across the monkey bars and just doing what I had been waiting all weekend for. As some of the kids started clearing out, the few of us left wanted to play hide-and-seek. It was the perfect place to do it with all the trees and bushes. I knew I could find a great place to hide, so we started playing, and my siblings even got involved too. I took off into the trees, hoping to find a great spot. Looking back, we definitely should have set boundaries so that we didn't get too far, but I didn't even consider it either. I just wanted to find the best spot. I ran into the trees while looking around, and before I realized it, I had run in pretty deep. I couldn't even hear Ross counting anymore. I went a little further in, and I found a big pile of leaves and branches. I was still pretty small, so I thought that I could easily hide in it. I started moving around some of the brush so that I could jump in it when I started hearing talking. The voices 
sounded distressed. And being a curious kid, I decided it was more important to check it out. I walked past the brush pile and a little further in, I could finally see people. There was a guy and a girl sitting on the ground. The girl was holding her knees close to her chest, while the guy was on his knees. Then, I saw the bigger, scarier guy pacing in front of them, as well as the truck that we saw earlier speeding by. The guy was pacing, yelling at the people about hiding something from them, and they were insisting that they weren't. The woman had started crying, so the pacing guy then pulled out a gun and somehow managed to scream at this woman without actually screaming. He pointed the gun at her, and he started whispering something as his face turned red and made her quiet instantly. This was when my clumsy self backed up, seeing the gun, and I apparently made a noise. All three of them immediately looked toward me, but I'm pretty sure they didn't see me, though. The trees were very big, and I at least felt like I was pretty well hidden, not to mention I was pretty scared stiff. So, I held still, and as the gun-toting guy looked around, he said something to them about coming back, and then got in his truck and sped away. I was pretty freaked out at this point, and maybe even slightly worried that he may have seen me, so I started running away, back the way I came, or at least I thought I was. I seemed to be running around for a while, and I never came across the playground. I started to become overwhelmed and terrified that I was lost in the woods, and that no one would find me. Or even worse, the guy with the gun would. I just remember starting to cry and walk around until I finally heard people talking. I looked around and saw two ladies standing nearby with a kid, and I ran towards them. I don't know why, but I felt like I was safe with them. The older one crouched down to be at eye level with me and asked me what was wrong and where my family was. I was afraid to tell them about the people I saw, and I just told them that I had gotten lost from the playground. They said I had gone pretty far from there and walked with me down to the ranger's cabin to help me find my family. Thankfully, the ranger took me in their golf cart up the road, and from the playground, I was able to guide them back to my family. To my surprise, Ross and Katie were already back there, and they said that they thought I ended up going back there too as they never found me. I don't even know how long I was actually missing. I was pretty shaken up, and I guess my mom could see that there was something more than just being lost, so... She kept asking me if I was okay, or if something happened. I finally told her what I saw, and she told my dad too. My dad didn't act like it was a big deal, saying I probably just stumbled across a bunch of drunks, but thankfully my mom didn't stand for it. I could tell she was pretty worried about it without letting me see, based on the way she was whispering things to my dad. I would say that she won, though, because we ended up leaving that night and stayed at a motel for the last night and went to a lake. As far as I know, the gun guy was never found, 
Not that there was anything he probably could have been arrested for, but I'm convinced that if I wasn't there, those people may have ended up dead. So, I do hope that those people are okay. And as for the speeding truck and gun-wielding guy, I hope that I never see you again. This happened a few years back, when I had to stop at a gas station after work to fill up my tank. For a bit of context, I live in a small town that has had a bit of a boom as far as people living here, which is nice, because we've gotten a few new convenience stores and such, but at the same time, this expansion has brought in some questionable people. For the most part, they were probably harmless, but some of them were the kind of people that you try to ignore when you're walking around town, if that makes sense. The type that will be talking to a wall, and then turn to look at you and start yelling at you about how they need your help to do whatever. I don't like to judge people, I really don't, but sometimes that first impression can really make an impact and scare you more than anything. As mentioned, I was leaving work, and as I pulled out of the lot, I noticed that my gas light had actually come on, which meant that I had two options. Stop at the gas station a block away from my work, or risk it and head home and go to the station where I live. The gas station by my work was not the best, and it frequently had the aforementioned people that would hang around it, but heading home could potentially end with me running out of gas most of the way there, and then I would have to figure that out. In the end, I decided that I would just make it a quick trip to the station by my work, would put in a couple of dollars just to guarantee that I could make it home, and fill up at the better station. The less time I spent at the questionable one, the better. So... I head out, drive down the way, and pull into the station. Much to my surprise, the lot was empty. I was actually happy to see this because that meant that I could probably fill my tank there and be okay, and not have to worry about going anywhere else. I get out and I go to swipe my card, and to my surprise, the reader keeps declining it but the error it kept throwing was basically indicating that it was the reader and not my card. I give up and just head in to prepay for $20 of gas. I tell the attendant that the reader doesn't seem to be working, and he just kind of shrugs it off like, yeah, whatever. I prepay, and as soon as I walk out, I notice another car pull up to the pump right behind mine. The station only had two pumps, with nozzles on each side, so no matter where you parked to fill up, you were going to be within ten feet of another person. I walked back to my car and undo my gas cap, and I get ready to fill it, when I start hearing yelling coming from the car next to me. I tried my best to ignore it, but it was kind of hard with where I was standing. I heard one guy yell about how much the other guy owed him, and then a woman started screaming something about how they were going to pay them back. 
I was just pretending to ignore it and pump the gas into my car, trying to make the 20 go as quickly as I could. Within a moment or two, I heard the group get out of the vehicle and continue their arguing. While one of the people went through the motions of trying to get the gas pumping in his car, they were yelling at each other nonstop, and the one guy was clearly getting frustrated with the reader, and for some reason unknown to me, my dumbass thought it would be a good idea to let him know that the reader wasn't working. I should have just minded my business and stayed out of it, but for some reason I leaned over and said, Hey, uh, the readers aren't working, you have to go in and pay him. The guy that was working with the pump, who was the guy that was screaming about how much the other two owed him, leaned over and actually thanked me, as he walked toward the building. The other guy, the guy that was with the girl that both seemed to want to argue as much as they could, waited for the first guy to go into the station, and then looked at me and asked who the F... I thought I was. I just kind of shook my head and said that I was just wanting to help. The reader wasn't working for me either. And the guy then stepped forward and pulled a switchblade from his pocket and pointed it at me. He then started talking about how he should, and this is a direct quote, skin my face so that he could feed his dog and then ditched my body in the river so that they never find me. I just put my hands up and told him that I wasn't trying to cause trouble or anything. I honestly had no idea what to do. This guy was obviously flying off the handle over... me helping? Within a few seconds, the knife was against my face, and this guy just kept staring at me with the craziest of eyes, telling me how much he was going to cut me up. Thankfully, the first guy came out of the station and asked what the hell he was doing, but in a much more forceful way. The guy with the knife started telling him that he was going to cut my throat and all the other stuff, but the first guy was apparently rather unhappy with this situation. He pulled a handgun from his waistline and pointed it at the guy with the knife. He then yelled at him to drop it before he dropped him. They went back and forth for a moment, but the knife guy eventually just gave up and got back in the car after yelling at me about how he would find me. I was literally just standing there and staring at the concrete with sweat dripping down my face, most likely visibly shaking in terror. After the knife guy got in the car, the first guy, the one with the gun, told me that he was sorry for his friend and that he was having withdrawal symptoms since he cut him off for not paying. I just kind of nodded and said that it was okay, and he actually seemed like he was sympathetic to the situation. Like, he was actually sorry. He told me that he wasn't going to do anything, and that I should probably just finish pumping my gas and go. I did what he said. I finished up, put it all back, and started getting in my car. Right before I left, he stopped me and said, This is probably obvious, but I would appreciate it if you didn't tell the police about this. You know, for everyone's safety. I nodded again and told him that I wouldn't call the cops, 
and he told me to have a nice day. That was the last time I ever went to that station. I now only fill up near my house, and I never let my tank get empty to the point that I would have to go there. I also never saw those people again, thankfully, and I'm glad that the first guy was in the right mind to stop the one with the knife, because I feel like he was about to make very good on his threats. I have a bit of a camping story that isn't your standard scary camping story, mostly because what was scary wasn't a person, but the possibility of what could have happened versus what did end up happening. When I was around 10 or so, my parents took me and my older brother on a camping trip to a grounds that we'd actually gone camping on before. To the best of my knowledge, there hadn't been any issues in this area prior, and I think what ended up happening to us was actually one of the first. So, this was just supposed to be a normal camping trip for all of us, as a bit of a family vacation. My parents had a small trailer that they slept in, and my brother and I got the two-room tent. I was 10 at the time, and James, my brother, was 12. He was more into sleeping on the ground than I was. I personally preferred my bed, but I went along with these trips anyways, because I didn't really have much of a choice. He was the outdoorsy type. I preferred reading in my bedroom. That's pretty much the long short of it. Anyways, on the second day of this trip... My brother wanted to do some scouting in the area, which, for our age, more so meant that he wanted to walk around at the campsite and find things to take as souvenirs. We never really took anything that could be damaging, just things like dropped feathers, small rocks, and every once in a while, a flower or something like that. Basic things that we thought were neat or cool-looking, but nothing that was ever too big. My parents were a bit hesitant at first, but in the end, they said that we could go as long as we stayed close to the campsite. The first thing we did was break that rule, and we walked into the woods way farther than we should have, my brother taking the lead, of course. He basically said that we were still in the area, we just needed to go a bit further to find the cooler things. I wasn't going to argue with him, it was his decision, and I would make sure that our parents knew that if we got into trouble. Anyways, we started heading out into the woods, and I was looking for random things like snails and frogs, just happy that I was actually enjoying my time, when my brother tells me to come over to him and to check something out. I get up from my spot and walk over to where he is, and he points over toward the tree line. I look over and I was pretty psyched. I noticed that he was pointing toward a fox that was just kind of sitting in the open, sort of walking around, almost in circles. I was happy just seeing it. Foxes were cool to me, and to see one in the wild was good enough for me. James, on the other hand, did something that I thought was incredibly stupid. 
He started whistling to the fox like it was some kind of pet or something. I told him to stop and that we needed to leave it alone, but he just kept going. He was even more enthused with his own decision when the fox started to actually walk towards us. I knew that something about this was off. Foxes are typically pretty skittish, at least to the best of my knowledge, and he wasn't approaching slowly. He was walking toward us at a decent pace. My thoughts that something was off was confirmed pretty quickly when the fox ran up to my brother and immediately started attacking him. It latched on to my brother's leg and no matter how much he kicked, it was not stopping. It was jumping at him, biting his leg and trying to just genuinely cause damage and hurt him. I was standing there not sure what to do, trying to help him get away from this thing without getting bitten myself, but I was smaller than him and there was no way I was going to be able to help. Thankfully, all the noise and shouting got my dad's attention, and he showed up while the whole thing was going on. He saw the fox attacking my brother and me just kind of standing there panicking, freaking out about what the hell I was supposed to do. My dad ran over and he was able to forcefully remove the fox and my brother from this situation. I'm not going to get into details because it was pretty horrible, but I understand what happened and why he did what he did. They obviously rushed my brother off the campsite to the ER, and they explained all of what had happened. This led to my brother having to get a series of shots for rabies, mostly because the behavior of the fox was abnormal, and after they did test the fox, it was a good thing they did get him on the shots for it right away. Unfortunately, this also meant that the campgrounds had to shut down. A rabid animal had been found on the grounds and they couldn't risk the possibility of there being more, so they had to completely shudder for the season. In the end, my brother was okay. He survived the attack and the threat of rabies, and he now has a number of scars on his leg from where this thing went off. Obviously, we're all very thankful that he was okay, because the alternative would have been very likely fatal. This was also the last time that we went camping as a family, and the last time that I ever went camping in general. My brother is still a nature lover, but he kind of has a phobia of foxes now, for obvious reasons. I have a weird story from when I used to work at a small gas station in a little town in Nebraska. I used to work the day shift, so for the most part, I got the normal people that were there to get snacks for the day, or to just fill their tank during their lunch breaks or whatever. Sometimes we would get rowdy kids during the summer, but for the most part, it was an incredibly calm and straightforward job. The situation happened to me about two years ago in the middle of 2019. It was a pretty warm summer. The sun was beating down and most of the people that we were getting were a bit irritable because of the heat. Which was fine. I can deal with people that are in a bad mood. 
around two in the afternoon, a lady comes into the store that seems a bit out of it. I think the best way to describe her respectfully would be she looked like she was on something that was making her very, very bouncy. Like, an upper of some sort. But, as I say, to each their own and you do you. She walked into the store looking around in every direction, kind of glancing to see if there was anyone else in the store, and her eyes were very wide open. As she walked in, she looked at me and smiled, and immediately walked to the front counter. I asked if I could help her, and she started talking super fast. She was saying things at me at a mile a minute about how hot it was, and how she needed to use the restroom, and then started talking about a dog. At first, I had no idea what she was saying, because I honestly could not keep up with her. I told her to take a breath, slow down, and then asked her what was wrong. She took a pause, did what I recommended, and then said, It is really hot out there, and I need some water, but I don't want to leave my dog outside. Can I bring him in here? I immediately wanted to say no, because we did technically serve food in the store on the rollers, so if it wasn't a service dog, it shouldn't be in the store. But then I kind of thought about it and told her that she could. There weren't any other customers in the store, she just needed water, so it was going to be quick, and to be honest, I really didn't care. She said thank you several times and then walked away from the counter, but she didn't go outside to get her dog. She started walking back to the drink cooler. I watched her walk to the back of the store like I thought she needed to bring her dog in. But at the same time, she wasn't all there, so I just let it go. After about five minutes... She came back up to the counter with half a dozen liter bottles of water and dropped them all on the counter, and she started thanking me again, saying how much she appreciated it. I started ringing up the water and then asked, I thought you wanted to bring your dog inside. Why didn't you go get him? And she stared at me confused. She then said, What do you mean? I did bring him in. I paused and glanced over the counter and then around on the floor, and asked where he was. She then unzips her purse, and pulls out this small, stuffed animal dog, and starts telling me all the details about him. His name, where he was born, how much she bought him for from the breeder. She then starts telling me all about the memories that she has with him and how difficult it really was to raise him. Now, I don't know if I was clear about this, but this was a small, stuffed animal. Not a real dog. It was small enough to fit in a purse. It had those plastic beady eyes like one of those beanie babies, and it was very clearly not real. As she's sitting there telling me all about her pet dog, She starts literally making a barking sound and thrusting the stuffed animal forward like it was alive. She then apologized and said that it was because he was moody because it was so hot, and that he was normally super sweet. 
and then started petting it and shoving it back into her purse. I just stared with a smile on my face, told her that it was a lovely dog, finished ringing her up, and told her her total. That was the whole experience, to be honest. I know that she wasn't all there, obviously, and it wasn't exactly creepy, but this was definitely a bit much for me. I guess if nothing else, her little stuffed dog was pretty cute, even if he was in a bad mood. Hey there, friends. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast, and I really hope that you all enjoyed this collection of scary stories. If you did, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel, where I do these same stories, but a little bit earlier than I do them here on the podcast form, and also in slightly different collections. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do consider giving it a rating of any sort if the platform you're listening on has ratings. Any honest rating is appreciated by me, be it 5-star, 1-star, however you want to do it. Just know that rating the podcast helps tremendously. And, if you would like to support further, I do have a Patreon and channel memberships if you'd like to do things on the YouTube side, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to my content. Never ever expected, but always appreciated. That said, friends... I hope that I do see you on the next episode of this podcast. And of course, until then, sleep well.